Welcome to Simply Cyber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday, December 2nd, 2022. This is episode number 253 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher. And over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top news stories of cyber news stories. Excuse me. Ain't nobody got time for regular news up in here. It's cyber all the time. I'll be delivering the top cyber news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories and what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get value. But before we get into the top news stories, I wanted to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and set dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Eric Taylor was on stream last night talking about cyber threat intelligence, risk analysis. I mean, I'm not risk, indicators compromise, quickly, um, you know, recovering and helping organizations basically control the impact of a, a ransomware event. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. There's a link in the description below. This is their website. Guys, you just scroll down and boom, Eric's calendar's right here. You can just grab time with them. You can meet with them right after this stream, right? 11 a.m. Eastern time. Get on Eric's calendar. Have a phone call. Talk about your business's needs. Do the work in, in ahead of time, guys, before, like, trust me, when you're dealing with an active incident, that's not when you want to be calling him for a consultation. Also want to give shout out and love to my other stream sponsor, Recon InfoSec. Love those people. Eric Capuano, CTO over there, Short Stack, Lead Architect. Listen, if you're in need of a service that provides your organization with 24-7 MDR, managed detection and response services, you need Recon InfoSec. Believe that. Their transparent offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. They provide direct access to Recon's team of experienced SOC analysts, engineers, and architects, and a fully managed SIM and SOAR. Artemis, their phenomenal platform, gives you full visibility into your environment and even gives you insight into investigations being worked by the Recon SOC if you want to go to that level of detail. It's up to you, but it's available. It's there. Unlike many of the uh, big <clears throat> commodity MDR providers that offer big promises and little value, Recon MDR takes a security-first approach that provides real answers and effective defense. Y'all... I'm telling you, security companies run by security people that grew up in the security industry are going to be very effective and they're going to be able to like cut right through the crap and get you what you need, which is actually, you know, protection, uh, resiliency, the ability to recover fast, the ability to tell you what happened when. Trust me, guys, MDR is an awesome, awesome concept. I'm a huge fan of MDR. It allows your cybersecurity budget dollar to go further. Recon InfoSec is a great MDR offering. Now, 
You may not know this, but I want to remind you. If you hold professional certification, CISP, SISM, CISA, even the new CGRC or whatever ISC squared is coming out with, they got some GRC cert now. Um, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, 10 a month, 40 a quarter, 120 a year, 1,200 a decade. Get silly. Be sure to say what's up in chat. I see Nathan Bolin with the Friday whoop whoop. Adam B. Alan is up in here. Aaron KG, one year anniversary, my friend. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for being here. Just say what's up in chat so if anyone ever questions whether or not you were here, you can point to it. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay. Drop that in the comments. I love, I love the team replay, people. Thanks for catching the stream. Remember, you can listen on your audio podcast of choice. Team Replay, if you want to jump right into the news, boogie on down to the jump forward button and hit that a few times. But as we tend to do here in the beginning of the show, I want to spend the next, I don't know, 90 seconds, 120 seconds, welcoming my friends into chat and getting everybody hype for the Friday. What's up? What's up, Tom Bishop? What's up, Nathan Bolin? Burak Ursoy with the toasty. Love it. Good morning from Tampa, Florida, Don Smith. Hey, Joel Belton. Joel Belton was on the stream last night as well. If you guys want to know more about threat intelligence, cyber threat intelligence, obviously, go check out last night's stream. Hey, George Strasberger. What's up, Internal Stranger? Oi, oi, oi. It looks like there's a story in here about Medibank in Australia, Internal Stranger, so buckle up. BSEC made it. Good to see you, BSEC. I'm going to have a slug of the old coffee here, fill it up, and then get into the news. Hey, Terrence Billingsley. Oh, guys, squad members. Jose Simone's with the sub. Thank you. Chiller Instinct with a super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Grab yourself a coffee. Guys, for me, French roast. Starbucks French roast. Yeah, I I, I dabble. I, I go out uh, on the weekends and, and try Colombian bean or Italian roast. I, I, I've been known to go to local roasters. But, you know, when I come home at the end of the day, it's Starbucks French roast all day, every day. That's that's where I'm at. I just I just did that. Hello, Kibaranis. Good to see you guys. What's up, Jack Scott? Love it. I love that blue squad logo. Guys, if we get five more members, five more members, we unlock another emote. I checked right before the stream started. So holler at you. If you've been, if you've been, you know, on the fence or whatever, five more, we get an emote. If we get the five, I will, sub, I will put four emotes on screen. And we'll get to vote on which one squad members want. You guys decide. Bill Green in the house. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love it, Bill Green. Hey, Bill Green, you won a GRC course the other day. You never got up with me. I'm pretty sure Bill Green... I'll have to go back and look. I did a raffle on Monday, I think, for two, episode 250. I think, Bill, you won one and didn't didn't cash it in. Ah, oh, Joel! There it is. Good morning, Brandon Parsons. Good morning, Joel Belton. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, guys. Enjoy those squad memberships. We will be having new emotes um, to pick from Monday morning. Thank you, Joel Belton. I don't have the four. But if you want, how's this? In chat right now, if you're feeling it um, and you have ideas for emotes, drop them in here. And I'll go back and look at chat. I've got a couple, like a Wu-Tang one and a Cash Rules Everything Around Me Cream one. But guys, it's the emotes are for all of us. So I will uh, look at chat and take advice from you guys. Let's get into the news.
From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Intruders gain access to user data in LastPass incident. Following up on a story we brought you in August, intruders broke into a third-party cloud storage service that LastPass shares with affiliate company GoTo and gained access to certain elements of customers' information, the companies have confirmed. LastPass did not define what it meant by certain elements, saying it was unsure what data was looked at. The statement confirmed that the attackers obtained the information to carry out the current intrusion using information stolen in an August attack. It did maintain, however, that services were unaffected and that customers' passwords remained, quote, safely encrypted, end quote, without ruling out that some of the data may have been stolen. All right, guys, thanks so much for the squad memberships. I know those are rolling in from Joel Belton gifting those. Guys, um, I, I do like to play the uh, anime wow emote. I hope it's not distracting you from the story. Uh, two things here. One, if you just received a squad membership and you don't know what that is, it, it unlocks access to a lot of cool, fun stuff. Check your emote tree. You'll see a whole bunch of new stuff in there to play with. Guys, here's the story. This was a big one. LastPass was uh, breached. If you guys remember, like maybe I want to say three to six months ago, it probably says it in the story somewhere. They were breached a while ago and it was more of their IT infrastructure that was compromised. LastPass, it is, it is imperative to the 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 lifeblood of LastPass that the um customers credentials never get compromised if LastPass is a password vault or password manager solution they have enterprise options uh password vaults everybody should be using that if you're not you know you need to get one i use bitwarden personally i used to use LastPass here's the deal if you are a password management company and you get your all your users' passwords compromised. You might as well. You might as well file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I don't know if there's any covering coming back from that. Randock Gaming. What did we just become best friends? Thanks yep. to the super chat. Hype, hype, hype. Listen, guys. Um, the important thing here is, and, and LastPass made it abundantly clear. They, they, they definitely said passwords are safely encrypted, right? So one of the things that's great about LastPass and Bitwarden and password vaults in general that do this is that they don't know your master password. They cannot decrypt your password vault by themselves. They don't have that capability. They literally make it so that, so they can't do it. So there's never ever a question or a compromise that can ever lead to compromise of your creds. Now, the downside, the trade-off is that if you lose your password, like I did for my first LastPass vault, they can't help you recover it because there is no mechanism. You're on your own. And that is the cost of not having some third party be able to unlock your password vault. So it's a double-edged sword, but it's one that's just straight required, honestly. Now, this is kind of sketch that this third party group, I mean, that this 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 group, um, uh, somebody accessed some cloud share that LastPass has. So just think of it as more corporate resources, more corporate assets. LastPass is being dodgy. To, t to use a word of my internal stranger friend, uh, LastPass is being dodgy with what was involved. Obviously, they're still doing the um, breach assessment. That's why I think they're saying certain elements. They know stuff was compromised, but they want to be dang sure. Guys, here's the final thing I'll say about this. Well, first of all, if you use LastPass, you're probably still fine, so don't sweat that, okay? Here's the last thing I'll say about this. 
in business, okay, if you're working internal operations for a, uh, a company or business or an MDR for that matter, you never say the word breach unless you're absolutely certain there's a breach. Because once you say the word breach, things get activated, wheels get in motion, lawyers get involved, right? You, you call it an incident until, until you're absolutely 100% clear it was a breach. And even then, the CISO should decide if, we, if they use the term breach. Um, and now they're doing an assessment of like what was actually impacted, right? Because there could have been a ton of data in that environment. But if they have logs on what resources were accessed and stuff like that, LastPass definitely wants to know that. Because they want to be able to surgically identify... The, you know, this resource was accessed. These resources were not. So we don't have to notify or pay for anything related to those resources, just these ones. So it's a cost savings thing. It's a, it's a, it's a savvy business move. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a horrible look for LastPass, man. Um, black eye for LastPass for sure. Sirius XM floor unlocks smart cars. Thanks to code flaw. Sirius XM's connected vehicle services has fixed an authorization flaw that would have allowed an attacker to remotely unlock doors and start engines on connected cars, knowing only the vehicle identification number. Yuga Labs' Sam Curry detailed the exploit in a series of tweets and confirmed that the patch issued by Sirius XM has since fixed the security issue. Security researchers at Yuga Labs found the issues and explored attack surfaces in the Sirius XM smart vehicle platform used in models made by Hyundai, Toyota, Honda, Fiat Chrysler, Nissan, Acura and Infiniti that allowed them to, quote, remotely unlock, start, locate, flash and honk them, end quote. <laughs> Meta Sam Curry is able to honk a car. Okay, guys, so this is a really great story. Um... Okay, so this guy, obviously, for me, was an instant follow now that I heard about him. Sam Curry at Sam WCYO. Guys, we've seen some um, hacks. Charlie Miller famously with the Jeep. Uh, Cherokee hacks Honda recently. So Sirius XM, it's a piece of tech. It's in the car. It's hooked into the harness. This is a perfect, perfect analogy for a corporate network, guys. Anything on your corporate network... Yes, like you've got your Windows servers and you've got your enterprise-grade firewalls and stuff like that. But if Carl, if Carl sticks a SiriusXM network camera, right? I'm being silly, but you, you're drawing the parallel here. A SiriusXM network camera on your network, then that is a uh, potential attack vector. It's a potential area of attack. And because these things are um, allow you know remote access or remote network communication you can exploit them, right? So this is obviously a great bit of research. This was not as simple as like tuning into a certain radio frequency and turning the volume to a certain you know number and pushing the Konami code into the SiriusXM dashboard. This was uh, a good bit of research. I would love to look into his research a little bit more. Um, I, it looks like he's published it. All you knew, all you needed to know was the VIN number. Guys, the VIN number is a unique identifier on all vehicles and it's all over the vehicle. Like if you look through a windshield on the dashboard right above the steering wheel, there's the VIN number. Your VIN number is how, you know, the government and how, you know, car dealerships and everything track unique vehicles. Okay. So if that's all he needs to, uh, attack your car essentially and, and make it do things you don't want to, including remotely unlocking the doors and starting the engines. So obviously you can imagine 
in the wrong hands, walk up, unlock, start car, drive away, strip it down, uh, rinse, repeat, right? And and look at the scope of the vehicles that he's got, dude. Nissan, Infiniti, Acura, Toyota, right? Doesn't, I think Land Cruiser or Land Rover, isn't that like made by Toyota? I think. Anyways, there's some, this isn't Ferrari, Bugatti, Lamborghini, but still there are some higher end cars in here. Acura has a high end car. Infiniti is a luxury series. Uh, Lexus is the Toyota um, luxury series, but I'm sure that they all um, use the same Sirius XM stuff. So very interesting. If you are in, final thing I'll say on this, this is a niche part of our industry, uh, car hacking, uh, automotive hacking. There is a car hacking village at DEF CON. If you're into that, all about, you know, the bus based, not like the woo woo, everybody on the bus, like the, like the, the harness, the, the bus network, the network, the network network of the, of, uh, how a car handles network communication. Computers are very, very complicated. Cars are very complicated computers at this point, uh, and there's tons of research, tons of hacking going on in that space. It's very niche. Uh, you can make yourself uh, a pretty good name if you like drilled into that space because it's relatively new. I would say like the last five, six years, people started really getting into it. So, Bank hackers announce case closed and dump huge data file on the dark web. Following up on the ongoing story of the Medibank breach in Australia, the group behind the cyber attack has posted on the dark web what appears to be the remainder of the customer data they took from the health insurer, stating it is case closed for the hack. On Thursday morning, the blog, which returned online after several days of being offline, posted, quote, Happy Cybersecurity Day, added folder full, case closed, end quote, and included a file that has several compressed files amounting to over 5 gigabytes. Medibank says it is in the process of analyzing the data, but, quote, it appears to be the data we believed the criminals stole, end quote. Yeah, all right. So, I mean, <clears throat> two things here. One, obviously, um, hey, internal stranger, can you drop in chat how this is being perceived by Australian citizens there on the ground? Is this a big story? Is this like getting people up in arms? We saw yesterday that Australia passed legislation that they're going to find businesses that suffer data breaches up to $50 million. I'm sure Metabank will be um, grandfathered through since the hack happened before that legislation occurred. Um, the, the, the hackers basically said, pay money or we release this. Metabank told them, we're not going to pay money. You can suck an egg. And then the hackers re released the data and then said case closed. Because essentially the, the event is over, right? They sh shot their shot and didn't get anything. So in order to make good um, on their threat, they had to release this, right? It sucks for Australian citizens, but they had to release it. Because think about it. The next... The next victim that they hit, they want to be able to show, here's a link to Medibank. They didn't pay. You Do you want Medibank? Like, we will follow through on this. We will not be crying wolf here. So, uh, it sucks. I could also, one other thing, like, we are seeing more and more threat actors do this lately about, um, like, trojanizing um, malware into known good stuff. So, like, we saw it the other day with, like, that Waimu messaging app and we've seen it with some github repos lately uh docker containers threat actors are are taking malware and putting it inside like info stealers and putting it inside things that they know people are going to download you know this is a perfect example like why I, I wouldn't be surprised 
it, it wouldn't be surprising, right? If if the threat actors also baked in some info stealer into this, they're like, here's the huge data dump because they know, yeah, other criminals are going to download it so they could infiltrate their infrastructure. Um, MetaBank's obviously going to download this. Now they already pwned MetaBank. So, you know, what are they going to get there? But my point is um, a lot of people are going to be downloading this. This is major, major news. So lots of people know that this data troves out there. Um, so, of course, it's just Word documents and stuff, but you could set in a Felina um, exploit into the um, Word docs or whatever. So, anyways, all about economies of scale, guy. All about economies of scale. Internal Stranger says it seems that they're going to work on the future and use MetaBank and Optus breaches as good examples. Okay. So, that sounds good. All right. Uh, M. Arnold said pawn question mark. I said pwn. So it uh, pwn is a, a term used in the industry. It's like it's basically like owned, but it, it's 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 I don't know. It's what people say. It's what people say. P w n d pwned. It's like basically owning, like you like owning someone. But it's kind of like, in my opinion, it's like legacy elite speak. Yeah, like uh, b sex is p w n e d. You can see you see it spelled both ways. Pwned is like basically when you. Um, you like achieve the uh, 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 action on objective, right? So if it's to pop a box, if it's to get a, sh a web shell on a server, if it's to ransomware a box, like whatever it is, you you own them. But we say pwned, right? Pwned. So, yo, Joe, the more you know. It reveals California as the most security conscious state. Internet privacy and digital security company TechShielder has revealed the most security-conscious states in the U.S. by comparing the number of Google searches in each state for the following eight terms. VPN, private browsing, incognito mode, delete cookies, change password, private search, erase history, and clear cache. Factoring in the differences in populations between states, the report ranked them in terms of searches per 100,000 people. California ranked highest with 301 searches per 100,000, followed by Nevada, Oregon, New Jersey, New York, and Texas, with rankings between 291 and 278 per 100,000. All right, so there was no uh, accompanying news story to, to pull up, so I just pulled up Google Trends. Guys, if you don't know this, um, Google Trends is like a really cool uh tool it basically aggregates what google searches are like you know everybody in the world's google searches uh except i you know you can filter on united states wh whatever you want i could do australia i could do australia internal stranger anyways uh basically some some researchers did data dumps and found that of all the u.s states california led the way on searches for Individual security and privacy related things like VPN, change password, um, you know, the other keywords that they said. Uh, okay, like not a real interesting story. Like it's good, to, it's good to see that people are interested in their own individual security and privacy. But, you know, I would have I bet an amount of money like that mattered to me. I would have bet, you know, whatever, a, a round of beers that California would lead the way. Uh, because California is the most fo forward-facing state around privacy, privacy legislation. They have actually pretty good state privacy laws. Um, what's one thing that is surprising is Texas was up in there. Um, you know, I didn't realize Texas had that kind of attitude towards um, 
towards information security at the individual level, but there's not a, a real story here. It's like, okay, like California's into it. We all knew that. What, what else we got? All right. And now a word from our sponsor, Automox. Are you ready to ditch manual patching and all the complexity and hassle that comes with it? With Automox, you can automatically patch your Windows, Mac OS, and Linux devices with one easy-to-use cloud-native platform. Modern patching should be easy, and now it is. With automated cross-OS patching, you'll save time and sleep better at night knowing your IT environment is secure. Visit Automox.com, that's A-U-T-O-M-O-X.com, to learn more and start a free trial today. All right. LinkedIn rolls out focus. All right, guys. Want to take a second? Casually Joseph, actually, uh, if you guys see it in chat, Casually Joseph makes a good point about how California is really dense in tech. Um, now, they did in the study, they did account for population density and kind of normalized it so it would be uh, comparable. But what is interesting to note, I just said, oh, Texas kind of surprises me. A lot of tech companies in California are moving to Texas, right? So uh, good point, Joseph. Like the population that would be the ones doing all that stuff in California, many of them are migrating to Texas for various reasons. You know, California is expensive to live in. California's on fire. Um, sorry, base case. But a lot of people moving into Texas, so that could explain it. And Miami, where the players play. Okay, guys, hey, want to thank all of you for being here. We do this at the mid-roll. It is Friday, so we have the grace and joke of the day. But before we say that again, thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for sponsoring the show and allowing us to do all the great things that we're able to do every single morning, helping each other out, supporting each other. Um, if you have a certification exam coming up next week, we wish you all the best. If you have a job interview coming up, uh, this time of year, it's kind of tough. Uh, budgets start tightening, uh, or people have spent their budget for the year, and they're, they're you know hiring freezes and all that crap. Uh, but just know that you got a group of people here who are uh, rooting for you. So so do it, do it, do it. All right, guys. Here's the Grayson joke of the day. Grayson ran out the door for school this morning and didn't give me a joke. So I pulled one from one of his resources. Okay, so bear with me, and I made it a tech one. Okay, how many? How many light bulbs does it take software developer? How many light bulbs? No. How many software developers does it take to change a light bulb? How many software developers does it take to change a light bulb? I wanted to keep it on brand for, for our community. How many software developers does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is zero. Guys, seriously, light bulbs are hardware problems. Software developers ain't got no time for that. All right. Zero. Because light bulbs are hardware problems. I'll build an API and you can hook into it, but you can keep your uh, hardware problem. Okay. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't done it already and you're getting value from the show, take five seconds, right? Literally. It's, it's just the easiest way to say thanks, Jerry. Hit the like button. It goes a very long way. It goes a lot further than the you know couple seconds it takes to hit the button so if you're getting value from the stream from the news from the community hit the like button right now it goes a long way i want to remind everybody it's not too late to sign up for the newsletter i will be writing this newsletter tomorrow simplycyber.io newsletter you can see it there in yellow 
every single Saturday, I come up to my computer with a cup of coffee and I draft an email that's about a 90 second read, three actionable pieces of Intel, one for your end users, one for your peers, which is basically IT people, and one for your executives. A lot of times I try to make it as copy and pasteable as possible. My, it, It'll arrive in your inbox Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern time. And the goal of this email is for you to be able to take one or two pieces of actionable Intel, at, take action on them, and deliver value to your organization before your boss is even at work, before your coffee's cool enough to drink. Sign up, get the email. If you don't like it, you can unsign up or whatever, unsub. Get the la-la-las going, y'all. All right. Let's let's continue and rip the news, finish the news off. I got to find a better way to transition back to the news. <laughs> it's so abrupt normally. It rolls out focused inbox and messaging tools to deal with spam and scams. The business network platform is currently experiencing a year-over-year -year growth rate of 34% and claims to now have 875 million members. Yesterday, it announced changes to its direct messaging service that speak to the issue of spam and scams. It states it is now rolling out a focused option for incoming messages with others relegated to an other box, and it's turning on new automatic spam and harassment detection tools and a new feature to report unwanted messaging. The system will also use AI to learn and refine its processes for identifying and eliminating unwanted messages. All right. Ransomware group may you know, I appreciate this, uh, especially with Twitter going, going, you know, whatever Twitter's doing on fire, if you will. Um, this is my um, uh, LinkedIn account. You can see it here. There's a lot of noise going on here because I'm actively streaming on the stream. Um, you know, I get a lot of messages all the time. Um, there's a lot of like, oh, hey, um, do you want to get like, you know, like guaranteed certification and stuff like that? I mean, I don't get massive amounts of spam. I accept all requests to connect. Um, I haven't dealt with too much toxicity. I, I'm so cynical that I kind of don't, I don't want to say I don't fall for scams, but like, I'm so cynical that I like, even if it's like legit, I'm like, nah, I don't know about that. Um, I haven't seen too much fake news, not like on LinkedIn. I don't see a lot of fake news. I don't know about you guys, but the way that, um, the way that like Twitter was like really getting crazy with all the QAnon and fake news and all that stuff back a couple years ago, excuse me. I don't see that on LinkedIn, but my experience on LinkedIn is not typical. I think I, I, I engage with a lot, a lot of people on LinkedIn. I'm posting tons of crap on LinkedIn, like all the time. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm uh, unusual. You guys let me know. But here's the thing. LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft has deep pockets. If you look at the metrics, I guarantee you that LinkedIn is having year over year uh, subscribe or, or uh, user growth. So the platform is becoming more and more popular, more and more used. So it's it behooves Microsoft to invest heavily into LinkedIn in order to make it robust, to make it a good experience. If people are getting spammed and scammed in LinkedIn, they're going to leave. That is not good for anyone, okay? Obviously, LinkedIn makes a lot of money um, because of all the data and stuff that's going in there. Plus, they sell adverts and it's it's a professional, it's the professional social media platform as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, Look for these new features. I guess that's all I could say. It sounds like this is the beginning 
of new features, and I would imagine that they're going to continue to roll out more features as it comes. What The only thing I don't like about LinkedIn is I get like emails, like tons of email about like notifications and comments and like, you know, like I, I love that Joe Belton commented on something that I posted like, oh, Jerry, like cool thing or Jerry, check out the start Intel thing. But then like and four hours later, I'll get an email that like Joe Belton commented. Like if you look at my email, it's like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. And I've tried to unsubscribe. I've tried to control that and it doesn't work. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. BSEC talking about curated feeds. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one thing you'll know about me, I'm cybersecurity all the time. Like I work it, I live it, I love it, I breathe it, I I I I read it, I study it, I listen to it. So for me, it's the <laughs> the algorithm's pretty simple. Just send me cyber stuff and I'll stay on platform. Stolen customer bank details from British Water Company. In yet another follow-up story, South Staffordshire Water, which supplies water for more than 1.7 million people in England, has said that an attempted ransomware attack in August may have enabled cybercriminals to steal customer bank details. At the time of the incident, the company stressed that the water supply was not affected, although its corporate network was experiencing disruptions. The company said in an update on Wednesday that customers who paid by direct debit may have had their bank details stolen. Water suppliers are required to report cybersecurity incidents to the Water Services Regulation Authority under the UK's Network and Information Systems Regulations. However, the reporting obligation only applies to incidents which ultimately impact water supply, which the ransomware attack did not. The government announced yesterday it would update the legislation so that service providers would need to notify regulators of, quote, a wider range of incidents, end quote. Yeah. So this was, uh, if you guys remember, this story happened in August, the Klopp ransomware group, which you don't, you, I feel like Klopp is like a tier two ransomware group. Like you hear about them, but not all the time. Like Lockbit, Hive, Conti, th those are all like tier ones. Anyways, this group hit what they thought was a um, municipality or some, or a school or something like that. And they accidentally hit a water company. They didn't realize it um, at the time. I think they found out after um it got public and they wanted to be very clear that they they weren't trying to do anything bad like once you start messing with critical infrastructure you bring down a level of heat it's like it's like grand theft auto like just hitting a business is like two stars uh if you guys remember grand theft auto it's like two one or two stars with the police um chasing you so you can kind of get away once you hit critical infrastructure and like maybe affect drinking water and stuff that's like five stars like that's helicopter fbi Again, with the Grand Theft Auto uh, metaphor here, parallel. So you, you, you do not want to call down that level of thunder, okay? So they were very clear about that. But they're saying now that um, obviously during the, the months that have followed as they're doing um, breach impact assessment, that's, that's what's happening right now. The, the company got hit in August, guys. And this is another reason why I talk about Barricade Cyber and having a plan for your business and why you should call Barricade Cyber. You get hit, right? Yes, you've got to get back up and running, obviously, right? You've got to get the business moving again. But then you need to actually, you don't just like, you don't just yell like YOLO and keep going down the road. You, you do a impact assessment, like what the hell happened? How bad was it? What's the scope? Are we still exposed? Could they just hit us again next week? All of that work needs to be done after the business gets up and running. So people are doing postmortems and stuff like that. And, you know, it sounds like they've discovered 
set of customer bank data that was also pulled as part of that data exfil, including debit cards, which really sucks. I know some people can't get credit, but guys, at least in the United States, I, 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 I beg people not to use debit cards. Like you have no, at least in all the times I've seen, you have no coverage. Like if your debit card gets hacked, breached, stolen, copied, cloned, and your money gets taken out or whatever, it, you're gone. Like there's no FDIC insurance over debit. There's no, um, the companies, the banks, they don't make good on it. Now they may have changed that, but um, Visa, MasterCard, all those, like if your credit card has a fraudulent purchase, you don't pay for it. Debit card, you kind of get hosed. So that kind of stinks for that. Um, anyways, long story short, the, the key takeaway for, for y'all in this story wasn't so much that ransomware group, you know, got the extra bank data, but just, I want you to know that that post breach impact assessment and the work that needs to be done, that's real work that people don't normally think of. They just think it's like a video game. You push reset on the Nintendo and you're back up and running. Like there's work and money spent after the breach happens, not just to clean it up, but to um, figure out what actually, like how bad was it? UK introducing mandatory cyber incident reporting for managed service providers. In a somewhat related story, the British government is introducing a new mandatory reporting obligation on managed service providers, MSPs, to disclose cyber incidents alongside minimum security requirements, which could see MSPs fined up to £17 million, that's $20 million, for non-compliance. The government said on Wednesday that MSPs, quote, play a central role in supporting the UK economy, end quote, and warned they are an attractive and high-value target for malicious threat actors and can be used as staging points through which threat actors can compromise the clients of those managed services. Financially motivated ransomware attacks have impacted MSPs such as Kaseya in the United States and the national health service supplier Advanced in Britain, with the latter severely impacting patient care, according to BBC News. All right, so I'm seeing from a couple different people here, uh, Eric Jordan over on LinkedIn, uh, Eric Taylor here on the mod chat in Discord, that debit cards are now protected by FDIC uh, and or the Bank of Issuance, right? So Eric Jordan says Bank of America. So, all right, well, that's great. It used to not be that way, I guess, 20 years ago when I had a debit card to, to, to age myself. But, um, okay, so we're good on that. Still, still, you know, <laughs> hide your cards, hide your wife. Like we, you got to just be careful, right? It sucks if, if your data is involved in reach. Now, moving on to the next story, UK, United Kingdom, our uh, friends across the pond, introducing mandatory incident reporting for MSPs. I love this. Okay. I love this. Here's a couple things. One MSPs are like basically outsourced IT. So an MSP might have a hundred clients, right? So like Joel Belton's ice cream shop, it's just Joel scooping ice cream over there. Joel doesn't have time. Well, Joel wouldn't know how to run IT, but let's just, Joel is just really good at scooping ice cream, okay? But he needs IT. He needs to be able to like take credit card payments and run, you know, run a website and all this other crap. So he hires an MSP to do it. Uh, doctor's offices, notor like, doc like small doctor's offices in the United States always do uh, outsourced IT. Like it's just a thing. Well, <clears throat> these managed service providers, they have remote access into all of their clients, okay? Now, if a managed service provider gets hit, <clears throat> just like Kaseya did, which was a massive one uh, back in 2021, early 21, I believe, right after SolarWinds, when Kaseya get hit, all of their clients, which was a massive amount, 
um, are at risk of being compromised because now the threat actors are just riding across the approved, authorized, authenticated channels into the customer's sites and dropping uh, malware and ransomware, whatever, where they want, right? So it's not good for the managed service provider, obviously, because they are like the uh, patient zero and they're like, they're like radioactive contagion touching everybody that is their client. So by requiring them to report an incident, it, it it's a good public service. It's going to suck for the managed service provider because it's going to hurt reputational. It's going to have reputational harm. It's not going to look good for their business. They might lose clients. So obviously the MSPs don't want to report it. We'll handle it in-house. But by requiring them to, to do that, we'll have visibility, transparency, and hopefully clients can get in front of protecting themselves before it's too late. Like, again... Hope is not a strategy. You can't be like, uh, we're impacted as an MSP, but let's hope that these clients don't get impacted. That's not a strategy. That's foolhardy. And you might as well stick your head in the sand, right? So I love this. You know, some people, I've talked to some people in the past who are like, oh, hey, that's a bit of an overreach by the government. I don't think it is. I think this is good. I would love for the United States to introduce this. Now, one question they didn't get into is like, what is the reporting like what the devil's in the details always guys like how long does the msp have before they have to be required to report it and what defines an incident remember earlier when i said you don't say the word breach until you absolutely have to Th these are the kind of clocks i'm talking about that get started when you say the word breach if you're just investigating a potential incident it's not an incident that gets reported yet because you haven't confirmed anything but I mean, chances are there's going to be like a 24 hour, 72 hour uh, clock that gets started. Uh, so thank you, CISO Series, for putting the story that helped me illustrate my point from earlier in the show. San Francisco to allow police killer robots. Oh, my God. San Francisco's ruling board of supervisors has voted to let the city's police use robots that can kill. The measure permits police to deploy robots equipped with explosives in extreme circumstances. The San Francisco police force have told the BBC they do not currently operate any robots equipped with lethal force, although they say there may be future scenarios in which lethal force could be used, such as using explosive charges to breach fortified structures containing violent, armed, or dangerous subjects. It should be noted that this type of lethal robot is already in use in other parts of the United States. For example, in 2016, police in Dallas used a robot armed with C4 explosive to kill a sniper who had killed two officers and injured several more. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here, okay? That's the sound of the police. All right. So we saw this we saw this famously uh attempted in the movie RoboCop in like 1987 with Ed 209. Robot, Ed 209 was going to replace cops, right? RoboCop RoboCop was the compromise because Ed 209 was a full robot and humans cops were humans, right? And but Ed 209 uh had a uh, a grave security vulnerability and identifying whether or not a suspect had actually successfully dropped their armed weapon. Uh, he mistakenly didn't have good tracking on that and uh, <laughs> uh, exacted punishment, which by like, okay. Anyways, so 
I don't know. Uh, like, okay. So if the robot is control, like I'm all about it. If it was like a drone, man, man powered or woman powered, remote controlled drone. Okay. I, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with autonomous vehicle with lethal capability, right? Like Ed 209 guys is is the example like how how is this ro i'm sure they've got great algorithms but how is the robot know that like you know, uh, like to a robot a robot doesn't have experience right Wh like what if it's an undercover cop who's like standing next to a police officer and they're both pointing their gun into the bank where the where the bad guys are and this robot thing's like oh look that guy looks like a bad guy boom like detonate right and is the robot going to have the wherewithal? Like, yeah, a sniper who shot two police officers is terrible, and I'm glad that they were able to safely eliminate that sniper. But at the same time, what if there's a child sitting next to the sniper? Is this thing going to have the... Like, how does it know that it's safe to detonate or safe to execute lethal action? Why, why does it have to have a bomb attached to it? Why can't we just have, like, a tranquilizer dart or have it detonate gas? right? Like gas out the whole place. The robot doesn't need to breathe. There are other options besides giving it lethal power. I saw, um, I saw a video. It was like a promotion video for some like company that sells military grade hardware. And it was basically a drone and it, the drone was like flying around. Like basically the soldiers like let it go and the drone flew around, went up the stairs, went in and then went in and then obviously scanned the room, saw two bad guys. The bad guys turn red in the thing. And then the thing goes over and it just, you know, the next scene is taken from outside and the room just, you know, ball of fire comes out of the room. So th there is, there is tech doing this already, guys. And w this is just another, I mean, this is a bomb disposal robot, but there's this, we're getting closer and closer to the robots doing this. And again, I love... I love the idea behind it, right? We don't have to put our our police officers into really, really dangerous, lethal situations. We could send a robot, a robot, like let's just say that a, a, a sniper like curb stomps a robot. No big deal. Send another robot. Who cares, right? So, but we got to be careful. We are getting there, guys. If you have seen the Boston Dynamic robots and what they've done between 2009 and 2022, the thing could barely like, walk on a treadmill in 2009 and now it can like it can like run you know maneuver around obstacles and then do a front flip and it can run way faster than you right so we're getting closer and closer to ed 209 it just personally i don't know if we need to put explosives on it i feel like there's more non-lethal ways like the only reason to have lethal sorry to spend so much time on this guys the only reason to have lethal capability in the hands of law enforcement is to protect them from like threat actors that have lethal capability, right? The robot doesn't have life. It's not sentient. It doesn't matter. You don't need lethal capabilities to, to escalate the situation. All right. And a reminder to join us for our slate of live stream events. All right. Reminder to join me. Oh, hey, Cyber Munchkin. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much for the stream. Who was your favorite, uh, who's your favorite, uh, kind of lethal robot? 
in media in uh in Hollywood history. I'd love your thoughts here. Is it is it uh, Terminator? Which version of the Terminator? Is it Ed 209? Ed 209's always got a special place for me. Maybe it's a more uh, obscure obscure robot. I don't know. Guys, want to remind everybody, if you were here just for the news, that's going to do it for the news part of the program. We're right about on schedule. How 2000. That's a, oh, that's a, that's a good one, Reggie. If you're here for the news, we're done with the news. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday at 8 a.m. If you're here for the good times, I want to remind everybody, we are launching our new show, Simply Cyber Office Hours After Dark. Um, this is a working title. We will decide later today what the title is. Uh, but it's going to be uh, a happy hour. That's right, Alana. Bring your cybersecurity t-shirts if you've got them, right? Wear your favorite cybersecurity t-shirt. Bring your beverage of choice. I will be rocking a uh, German beer that I got from my advent calendar. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I have a brewer's advent calendar. Base case has got it too. It's going to be a good time. Jack Scott's going to be in the house. DJ B-Sec's going to be in the house. And uh, Eric Taylor in the house. Base Case will be modding for us uh, in the background, uh, directing, producing behind the glass. I'll be producing behind the glass. I'll be on stream too. But if you, like, we've had very little in the way of audio problems on the show in the last, like, six months or, or four months or so. But with this new thing, we are doing a radio call-in format. So you in chat will be able to call in. I will bring you on stage, give your hot take on whatever it is that we're talking about. I'll drop you, bring in the next person for their hot take. It's going to be a lot of fun, but there is some logistical challenges with a radio call-in program, especially when I'm trying to minimize the the burden on the mods. I'm trying to I'm trying to do it myself. So it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. We'll figure it all out. Uh, yeah, Jack's got to be wearing that I love NIST shirt. I love it. Um, let me see. I also want to remind everybody that, um, a try hack me advent of cyber is going on. So if you're interested in good times, they do this every year. This is the fourth year they're doing it. It's not too late to hop in the try hack me advent of cyber. Um, I'm super pumped. I'm trying to get more information. Uh, you can see that a lot of people in the community, John Hammond, Neil Bridges, Insider PhD, CyberSec Meg, Security Ninja, Husky Hacks, Matt Kiley, um, are all uh, featured speakers. So it's a different speaker, not every single day. Sometimes people do more than one, but it's different speakers in the cybersecurity community. I'm super pumped. I've been asked to do one of the advents of cyber. I'm, I'm trying to get more information on it because I like to get my stuff done ahead of time. But I think I'm closer to like the 20, 20th, 21st of December. So that'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. Want to remind everybody that last night, um, we did the, uh, kind of a, a pop-up stream. So if you're interested in hearing more about cyber threat intelligence, um, Eric Taylor and Joel Belton came on last night. You can see this is the stream. I'll put it in chat. Here's Joel. Here's Eric. Here's me. Um, loving life and flipping out. I will share this in chat somehow. I don't know how to share this in chat. I need an adult. All right, well, just go to simplycyber.io slash streams. Oh, here it is. And you can giddy up on that. All right, guys, Ed209, you're my favorite. We'll always have RoboCop1. <laughs> All right, here we are. 
Uh, let's see what I see. I'm going to get into chat for a hot second now, guys. Uh, Robert Moore, Jerry said you were going to do an interview with someone who was going to talk about how to start a cyber business. When is that? Are you still doing it? Yes, Robert Moritz, we are doing that. Um, give me a second. Let me pull up my schedule here. This is going to be really cool, guys. I met this guy at Wild West Hackenfest. His name was Ian. We, we hung out for a bit. We had lunch together. Really, really smart guy. Really cool guy, too. Uh, he's coming on January 19th, Robert. January 19th, 2023. I can't schedule my live streams out too far in advance because the way that YouTube stacks them up, um, it, like, it, 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 it kind of puts it where you are when you create it. So, like, if I were to create something for January today, it would, it, like, the daily threat briefings would bury it. Like, you can see here, this is... This is the uh, event, Simply Cyber's hours after dark for later today. But because I scheduled it like a week or two ago, like all of these videos happened after that and kind of push it down. So I try to schedule them like a week before or so, just so people can find it. There isn't a better mechanism. So come check that out. <clears throat> Have a good one, Jack Scott. All right, going back through chat really quickly. I'll do two more minutes here. Did I see Jerry Lawson honored in Google? Maybe. Let's check it out. Oh. Yep, Jerry Lawson. This is cool. <laughs> oh, look at this. You gotta love Google. You gotta love Google, guys. All right, I'm not gonna play that in front of you guys, but. Taking notes on the alert on discussing on lessons learned today. Very nice. Have a good weekend, not only IT. Navina, see you next week. Have a great weekend. <clears throat> Thanks for being <clears throat> part of the Simply Cyber community, Navina. Oh, guys, I know that there's only uh, 137 of you still here, but I have a major, major update. I totally forgot. Internal Stranger starting a new job on Monday. Congratulations, Internal Stranger. Super pumped for you. Go get them. Guys. Can I tell you something really quick? Do you know what today is? I, I totally, this is like classic me whiffing on this because I'm so focused on just doing the, the important bits. Today, tomorrow actually, but we can call it today. Tomorrow marks the one year anniversary of Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat briefing. December 3rd, 2021, I went live for the very first time and did uh, it was called First Things First at that time, but I did my first cyber morning news briefing and uh, it was definitely looked a lot different. Definitely looked a lot different, uh, much messier, but uh, we made it a full year, y'all. And I'm really, really pleased with where we've come, the additions we've made and um, just loving it. So congratulations to all of you. Um, Congratulations to all of you for making Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing what it is. Yeah, Kimberly's been there from day one. I love it. All the folks with like uh, the dark reds or the the, the blue <clears throat> squad memberships been here since the beginning. I appreciate it. Thank you, Navina. Thank you, Aaron Carson. Thanks, Jenny Housley. Thanks, Bill Green. It really was a fast year. 253 episodes, multiple guest hosts multiple venues and locations we've done it from massachusetts las vegas south dakota um here yeah you know what i'll show you guys the inaugural episode i'll put a link in chat justin gold grabbed it for me the other day where are we 
it's funny. It's funny how bad it is. <laughs> but you know what, guys? Sometimes you just gotta hit record, right? You can't you can't you can't be focusing on um perfection. Where is it? Yeah, here it is. Check this out. Right? First thing first, morning cyber threat briefing, right? Look at this thing. Wow. Look, there's me, just just like no overlays, nothing. Explaining what I'm about to do. I got a QR code up in there. Like literally, guys, I just had the podcast up and I was just listening to the podcast. Tom Pike was there. Elvis Lamb was the first uh, commenter. This was it. This was the whole, this was the show, guys. I would go full screen a little bit, but this is it. So delivering hot takes. Fancy. Delivering hot takes since 2021, y'all. Less gray hair, Junior. <laughs> oh, that's too much, man. Yeah, exactly, Nathan Todd. Don't let perfection stop progress. You, you better believe it. Exactly. So um, <clears throat> I'll do this. Um, yeah, I'm very, very, <clears throat> very happy with super cyber <clears throat> where we've been and what we've what we've accomplished. <laughs> I do shower before the show. Even uh, I'm I'm using moisturizer now. Hey Jerry, you need to make a stream where we all watch the first episode. LOL. Oh my god. Yeah. Joke of the week, Reggie Davis uh, was how many software developers does it take to change a light bulb? The answer was zero. Light bulbs are a hardware problem. Software developers ain't got time for that. Santa hat, chiller instinct. I'll look into that. Hey, Matt McDaniel. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> we didn't have the sound effects going on back then. It was a different world, guys. It was a different world. All right, guys. I want to thank all of you. I'm going to boogie out of here. <clears throat> we got... We got a great show later today. I hope you can join us at 4.30 for <clears throat> the um, the Simply Cyber Hours After Dark. You got any questions, just hit me. We'll give you some fin frock love, chiller instinct. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That's right, my man, fin frock. Guys, stay tuned for uh, Monday's episode because I'll be doing the um, what emotes do y'all want on Monday. I'll go back and look at the chat and see what everybody uh, what everybody suggested. All right. Thank you, Eric, uh, for the kind words. Love it. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you at 4.30 p.m. Take care.